Well, good morning and welcome once again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. It is a beautiful, nice, sunny day out, and it is good to see so many of you here. Um, I know we have a number of our folks who are uh, battling sickness and are traveling this week, but we are thankful that you are here, and hopefully they're able to join us via our online services as well. Well, it has been a crazy, crazy weekend. As Andrew mentioned, I graduated yesterday, finally. Um, <laughs> So, so it's been kind of a crazy, crazy season for me, but I am very, very blessed to be here today. I've got my family here from Illinois, uh, my cousins and my aunt and my mom and my dad. So it is just a great day to be here and to be all here worshiping uh, the one true and living God together. So we are going to dive into uh, a kind of a one-off topic this morning because uh, next week you'll actually have a guest speaker. Uh, Mr. Aaron Walling will be with us next week. And then the final Sunday of this month, of course, will be our family worship service. So Glenn Alsop Jr. will bring the message. So uh, you only have to put up with me for about 25 minutes today, and then you get a couple weeks break uh, from me, and uh, Aaron will step up and bring a phenomenal message for you next weekend. So today we are going to talk about this idea of saying yes. Now, as you know, there's a, there's a Jim Carrey movie called Yes Man, and it's all about this concept of, of he has to say yes to everything, uh, regardless of what the request may be. And of course, he gets into some crazy, crazy situations from having to say yes. Uh, there's also a, a kid's movie on, I believe it was Netflix, called Yes Day. And it was this day where the parents had to say yes to whatever the kids wanted to do that day. And that's not exactly what we're talking about this morning. We're not saying that we have to say yes to absolutely everything. But what we're going to look at for a few minutes here this morning is, do we say yes to God? Do we say yes to God? Now, we make a lot of decisions every day. You guys all made decisions this morning. You decided, do I get out of bed or do I sleep in? Do I hit the snooze button once or do I hit the snooze button 12 times? We all make decisions. What shirt were you going to wear today? Which way were you going to drive to church? Were you stopping for coffee or were you not stopping for coffee? So there's a lot of decisions that you and I make every single day. If you, if you ever stop to calculate every decision that you make, you literally make hundreds if not thousands of decisions each and every day. And you and I make a decision each and every day to either follow Jesus or to not follow Jesus, to answer the call of God, or to not answer the call of God. And that's exactly what I want to take a few minutes to unpack with you here this morning. And we're actually going to look at the story of Ananias. Now, Ananias is a really cool Bible character. He's kind of a background character, you might call him, or a secondary character. You know, he's not Tom Cruise. He, he, he's the backup guy, or the side guy, or whoever's starring alongside of Tom Cruise, because we know that it, the story of Ananias is really the story of Saul becoming Paul. Saul, the one who persecuted Christians, who made a living murdering Christians, is converted into the man that you and I know as Paul, who wrote a good portion of the New Testament. But see, what gets lost in the mix of that incredible story, that incredible conversion, that incredible story of how God can really use anyone is Ananias. See, if Ananias had not said yes to God, we may not have the New Testament that we have today, or it very well may look very different than the New Testament that you and I have in front of us today. So that's what I want to take a few minutes to look at. And I want you to think about some times in your lives where you had to say yes to God. 
And we've all done that. Because even if nothing else, you made the decision to say yes to God that day that you committed your life to Christ. You answered that call. You said yes to God. You said, God, I want to put my past life behind me and I want to dedicate the rest of my life to following you. So we've all said yes to God. You all said yes to God when you came here this morning. There's other places you could be. You could be on the golf course. You could be at home watching baseball. You could be sleeping in. So you all said yes to God this morning. But Ananias said yes to God in a very, very powerful way. And that's what I want to take some time to look at here with you this morning. So if you would, go ahead and turn with me. We're going to start in Acts chapter 22 briefly. And then we're going to change gears just a little bit. But I want to give you a little background about Ananias. Let's look at what Acts chapter 22 says about Ananias. It says, a man named Ananias came to see me. It says, he was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all of the Jews living there. And if you look a little bit further into scripture and you look a little bit further into description of Ananias, is he was a person who wanted to be like his rabbi. He was a person that wanted to be like the teachers of the law. He was a very devout, a very faithful man. He was faithful to God. And that's exactly how he is described here in Acts chapter 22. Now, I actually want to back up a little bit. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 9. And we're going to start in verse 10. And we're going to look, a little bit, look through this story a little bit of Ananias and how he said yes to God. And the amazing things that resulted from that simple answer of yes in verse 10, we read in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. So right off the bat, Ananias is a yes man when it comes to God, right? Because let's think about that for just a second. The Lord appeared to Ananias in a vision. Now, we've talked about this before. When the Lord appeared to people in the Bible, it was probably a pretty frightening experience, if you think about that, you're, you're at home, you're, you're at the kitchen table, you're, you're having lunch, and all of a sudden this big booming voice comes and says, Michael, you'd be like, huh? Wait, what? And that's exactly what happens to Ananias. The Lord comes to him in a vision and says, Ananias, and his, his immediate response was, yes, Lord. Now, you all know I'm raising many, many kids at this point. But one of those kids is a four-year-old with a very big personality named Lucas. See, when you're a preacher's kid, you become, you become the subject of many, many sermons. But, but Lucas, and maybe some of you can relate to this who have had toddlers, is going through a phase where his first response to everything is no. Lucas, I need you to, no. Lucas, you need to stop, no. Everything he says, the first word out of his mouth, is no. It drives me absolutely crazy. Now, let's be honest, parents. Have you been through this? Have you been through those phases where your toddler, everything they say is no? So the Lord, Ananias' heavenly father, says, Ananias! And he doesn't say, no, I'm busy, I can't right now, don't want to hear it, I'm too busy playing. He says, yes, Lord. And see, that's that first takeaway. That's that first thing that we can learn from Ananias is when God called, he answered. Now, we live in this really cool world of cell phones, right? And we all have them. Some of us have more than one. But the cool thing is, you can always see who's calling. And you get to make that decision, right? To answer or ignore. Now, I grew up back in the Stone Ages, 
where the phone was actually attached to the wall and had this rotary dial on it. And, and, and you never knew who was on the other end of that line. You literally had to, young people, this will blow you away, you actually had to pick up the phone and say hello. You couldn't text. You couldn't text and say, who is this? You couldn't look up their phone number. You literally just had to pick up the phone off the wall and say, hello, who is this? Ananias immediately says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. God talks to us each and every day through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we say, yes, Lord. And sometimes we say, not now, Lord. A little busy right now. Not really what I had in mind for my day today. But let's look at the story of Ananias and how it plays out. It says, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. A couple things here. I love how specific the Lord is with his instructions. He says, go to the house of Judas, on, the one on Straight Street. So he gives him the exact, the exact location. And, and some of you are saying, man, it'd be nice if God talked to me in exacts like that. But guess what he does? It's that thing called the Bible. You know, that thing that, that sits there and holds the papers down on our desk or on our bookshelf or on our coffee table. Because now we all use apps, right? It's all on our phone and our tablet and all that, which is great. Not knocking that. But he's very specific with his instructions. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Ask him for this man from Tarsus named Saul who's there praying. Backstory, we know what's going on, right? This is after, right, Jesus had met Saul on the road and he had blinded him and told him to go to Damascus and pray. And that's where Ananias comes in. It says, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. See, God is working behind the scenes here. He's pulling the strings. He's orchestrating this whole thing, right? Because he has gone to, to Saul, who's about to become Paul, right? He's gone to him in a vision and said, hey, this guy Ananias is going to come to you. And now he's gone to Ananias in a vision and said, this guy Saul's waiting for you. So see, God is, God is orchestrating this whole scene. This wasn't happenstance. This wasn't a mistake. This is God pulling the strings, turning the dials, and setting this whole plan into motion. It says, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. So here we see Ananias is going to push back just a little bit. Just a little bit, right? Wait a minute, Lord. You're talking about the, the Saul guy? The same guy that's out there killing Christians? You, you want me to go to him? This guy's making his living of going to find Christ's followers and murdering them. So you can imagine how Ananias is probably feeling at this point. He's going, whoa, 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 Lord, wait just a minute. You want me to go to Saul? Because we got to remember, we, we think of Paul, and, and Paul was an amazing man who did amazing things for the kingdom. I mean, Paul brought it, right? Paul spent most of his, his, his adult life in prison, and what was he doing while he was there? He was worshiping God and writing the New Testament, basically. Only it wasn't called that back then. But, but at the time, this was a bad dude. This is one of the worst guys out there. And here the Lord appears to Ananias in a vision and says, I want you to go see him. I want you to go hang out with him. You're actually going to go help him. See, Ananias is probably going, thank goodness Saul is blind. Maybe he'll stop killing people. Right? 
And the Lord says, no, 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 that's not what I have in mind. See, our plans and God's plans, two different things. It says, and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. See, he's saying, wait, Lord, that guy's coming to, to arrest and kill Christians. It says, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Now, last week, we talked a lot about people who we have written off in our lives. We, we talked about those people who have, we have just said, you know what, I'm kind of done with that person. I'm tired of working with this person. I'm tired of trying to convince this person. I'm tired of trying to get this person to follow Jesus. And we talked about the fact that sometimes we need to soften our hearts. And that's exactly what he is instructing Ananias to do. He's saying, I get it. I, I understand. I get why you're frustrated. I get why you're a little hesitant. And you and I would be exactly the same way, right? If, if we were called in a vision by God, first of all, that'd be cool. But if we were called in a vision by God to go see someone who's a murderer and to go sit with them and to go help them and to go work with them and then to find out that he's actually God's chosen instrument, we would be a little hesitant as well. But see, this is a great reminder for us that it's not our job to determine who someone is. It's not our job to determine who God will and won't use. Because, see, that's God's job. We don't have to do that for him. See, he's teaching Ananias to see people the way that God sees people and not the way that man sees people. Because, see, to man, this guy was a murderer. To man, this guy was doing everything he could do to stop the advancement of the kingdom of God. And God says, no, 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 I got other plans. Just the opposite. He's going to advance the kingdom. It says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. It says, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's Ananias, and he gets sent over to this house, and, and he's going to visit this guy who, as far as he's concerned, is a murderer, and he's actually going to be given the power to heal him. Again, put yourself in Ananias' shoes. He's got to be a little bit like, eh, maybe it's better if this guy's blind because then maybe he'll stop killing people. But that's not what God had in mind. It says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And it says, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again and he got up and he was baptized. And I love this, this, this conversion of Saul is, is taking place, and it, and it takes place in a couple of different, a couple of different mediums, right? Because, because he appears to, to Saul on the road, right? And he basically blinds him. He basically, says, he basically makes him blind. And he gives him some very specific instructions of where he needs to go and who he needs to see. And Saul did exactly what God told him to do. And then we bring Ananias into the story. And Ananias is going to be the one to actually restore his sight. And what does Paul do immediately? He was baptized. See, there's all these debates. Do we really need to be baptized? I hear this a lot. The answer is yes. 
What did Paul do immediately? He got his sight back. What was the first thing that he did? He went and got baptized. Throughout Scripture, we see examples of people being baptized. The Great Commission tells us to go and make disciples and baptize them. So, so why do we still hear debates about, well, do I really need to be baptized to be saved? Yes. We're reminded of it right here. You need to be baptized. It says, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Again, we always talk about the snack and a nap, right? Paul just needed a little snack, right? Got baptized, had his priorities right, all right? Take care of the spirit first, take care of the soul first, then take care of the body. So he has a snack, and he's regained to his strength. So how can we be a modern-day Ananias? You've got to live deep with Jesus. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to live deep with Jesus? See, do we want to just be surface followers of Jesus? Yeah, I know who that guy was. He was this, this guy in the Bible that died a long time ago. He was a good guy. He did some cool things. Or are we going deep with Jesus? Are we investing in our relationship with Jesus? Because like any relationship, it takes investment, right? Those married folks in the audience, you know this, right? If you don't dig deep into your relationship, what's going to happen? That relationship is not going to last very long. See, we got to be invested in this relationship. we we got to be deep in this relationship. Our relationship with Jesus should not just be like your, your, your relationship with your next-door neighbor, who when you both have to be walking down the driveway at the same time, you go, oh, hey, nice to see you. That's not what Jesus wants. See, we got to go deep in our relationship with Jesus. we got to spend time in the Word. we got to spend time in prayer. we got to spend time in some of those spiritual disciplines that each of you practice, whether it be meditation, whether it be study, whether it be quiet time, whether it be fasting. Are we spending time going deep with Jesus? Or is he just our neighbor who's walking down the driveway and says, oh, hello there, oh, hi, and you both get in your car and drive off to work? See, we got to show up with expectations. we got to show up with expectations. And what I mean by that is we've got to show up with an expectation that God wants to use me in some way, and I need to be open and ready to do that. we got to be expectant. Because, see, God wants to use each and every one of us. The, the passage that Floyd read for us earlier about the light. See, God wants each and every one of us to be a light. And that doesn't mean you have to preach. That doesn't mean you have to teach a class. That doesn't mean you have to be on the greetings team, although all those things would be fantastic. But what it means is, are you showing up with expectation? Are your eyes open? Are you paying attention to the things that are going on around you so that God can use you in some way, even if it's just by the example that you lead? Are we expectant? Are we ready? Are we saying yes to God that I want you to use me to influence others? But see, we have to have that in our mind at all times so that when God calls, we're ready. Ananias, when God called, what did he do? Yes, Lord. It's exactly what we need to do as well. We need to relate with everyone. And that goes along with this whole idea of expectation. See, it's really easy to relate to people who are like us. Really easy to relate to people who are like us. But that's not what Jesus did. 
See, when Jesus walked the earth, he did not just hang out with people who were just like him. No. He went to the places he was needed the most. He ate with the tax collectors. He ate with the sinners. He ate with the prostitutes. Because those are the people that needed to hear about Jesus. See, sometimes when we answer God's call, we do it out of convenience. If it's convenient, yeah, I'll I'll go do that. If it's convenient for me to serve in that way, sure, I'll go do that. But what happens when we get pushed a little bit outside of our comfort zone? Have you ever been there? There's somebody that you know you should be talking to, that you know you need to help, but you just don't really want to do that. So what do we do? We just kind of, hopefully somebody else will help that poor person. Somebody else will help that person in need. I just, I don't want to get involved. This could get messy. I'm not comfortable. See, see we got we to gotta put ourselves out there for God. We got to put ourselves out there and be willing to help people. The Bible teaches us over and over that we need to help those who can't help themselves. It doesn't say when it's convenient. It doesn't say if they look like you, if they think like you, if they talk like you, if they pray like you. See, we got to be open. And it's hard sometimes, right? But, but see, that's part of our formation. That's part of our spiritual formation is learning to help people even when it's not convenient and even when it's not comfortable. It wasn't comfortable for Ananias. God told him, hey, I want you to go to this murderer. I want you to, I want you to restore his sight and basically make him a Christian. And Ananias could have said, eh, not, really, not really what I had in mind, God. That wasn't on the agenda for today. I don't want to do that. And let's think about that for just a second. What would what, what have happened if Ananias had said no? See, we got to risk it all for the things that matter most to God. See, we, we got to put our pride aside sometimes, right? we we got to step out of our comfort zone. And we got to be willing to risk it all. Ananias risked it all. He didn't know what was going to happen when he got there. He didn't even know for sure if if Saul was actually blind. He might have been walking in to an ambush. But he was willing to risk it all for God. I want to share something with you that my my friend Steve Carter came up with. So I'm not saying that I came up with this on my own, but I want to share this with you. But I also want to give him full credit. And he came up with this, this idea of risk. And the first one, I think, is probably is just so powerful, and that's rescued people rescue people. Rescued people. You and I have been rescued. You and I have been rescued from our sins. You and I have been rescued from our mistakes. And you and I have been rescued from our past by Jesus Christ. And see, we got to do that same thing for others we got to rescue others. There are so many people out there who don't know who Jesus is. There are so many people who are walking around. We just finished a whole series on hope with no hope because this is it for them. Rescued people rescue people. We've got to put ourselves out there. we got to share that good news. we got to share that amazing. We've been given such an amazing gift in Jesus, a gift that we didn't deserve, a gift that we could never repay. Are we paying that forward? Are we giving that same gift to others? The second one is I, invitational fails. And on the surface, you're going to look at that and go, invitational fails? What are we talking about here? You're going to invite people to get to know Jesus, and they're going to literally slam the door in your face. 
You're going to invite your coworkers to know Jesus, and they're going to say, I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. Invitational fails. We've all had them. I've had them. I've invited people to church, and they laugh in my face. I'm not going to church. Are you kidding me? I sleep in on Sundays. Invitational fails. I worked in sales for a very long time. And if you've ever worked in sales, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You get told no all the time. And I mean all the time. <laughs> okay, how good a salesperson you are. Look at baseball players. Baseball players strike out seven out of ten times they're an all-star. A 300 batting average will get you to the Hall of Fame. It's going to be the same for us. You're going to reach out to your next-door neighbor. You're going to reach out to your coworker. You may even reach out to your family and say, look, I want to share Jesus with you. And they're going to slam the door in your face and say, I don't care. That's not important to me. But that doesn't mean that we don't try because we love them. And you're going to have invitational fails. And maybe even share those with each other. Say, hey, I invited this guy to church and he, he cussed me out. Invitational fails happen. You don't always hit a home run. You may have to strike out seven, eight, nine times before you hit the home run. Seven days. Yes, in risk. Give it seven days. Seven days where you're open and you're aware and you're alert and you're looking for ways that God can use you. You're actively, consciously looking for ways. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a person on the bus. Look for those ways for seven. Spend seven days of intentionally, intentionally saying, God, use me. God, open up my eyes. God, put people in my path that need to know about you. Commit to it for just seven days and just see what God might do in your life. And the K is knees in prayer. Knees in prayer. I once heard a saying that said, you should put your slippers all the way under the bed so that you have to start every morning on your knees. Knees in prayer. Are we spending enough time in prayer? Are we being intentional with our prayers? Are we being intentional to say, God, use me? And that looks different for each and every one of us. You guys have talents that I don't have. Are we using those talents, whatever they may be, to enhance the kingdom? Are we saying yes to God? Or are we saying, God, I'm really busy right now. God, I, I got this big project at work. I, you know, don't bother me right now. I, don't, I can't be bothered with this kind of stuff. Or are we, just like Ananias, saying, yes, Lord, use me? Imagine if Ananias had said no to God. God probably would have tried to use somebody else. Because God's not going to give up. But what if he had gone to Ananias and said, Ananias, I need you to go to Saul, and I need you to restore his sight, and I want you to baptize him into Christ. And Ananias had said, no thanks, I'm good. I'm not going over to this murderer's house. He doesn't deserve your grace. He doesn't deserve my time or my efforts. And God would have found somebody else and said, hey, I need you to go to this guy's house. And what if he says no? And what if the next guy says no? And what if the next guy says no? And what if the next girl says no? Where are we at? What if, what if Saul 
was never converted to Paul. Paul did some amazing things. He wrote at least half of the New Testament that we're sure of, and possibly more that we're not sure of. But imagine if Ananias had just said, I'm good. Let's be Ananias today in 2022, and let's say yes to God. Let's say yes to be followers of Christ, and truly followers of Christ. And let's say yes to advancing the kingdom. Wouldn't it be amazing to come in here one Sunday morning, and you get here a little bit late, because we're Church of Christ, we're always late. You get here a little late, and you walk through that back door, and you can't find a place to sit. Your favorite pew is completely taken. We have favorite pews. We do. First time I came here as a visitor 12 years ago or whatever that was, I was actually asked to move because I was in someone's seat. <laughs> true story, true story. Lizzie and I came in here for the very first time, and we, we came over here, and we, we sat down, and literally somebody walked up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're in our seats. Could you please move? But my point is this. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing to have this place full every Sunday morning? Wouldn't that be amazing? How's that going to happen? It's going to happen when we say yes. When we're not afraid of those invitational fails. When we're not afraid to invite our friends and our family and our coworkers and, and anybody that needs to hear about Jesus to come and worship with us. That's how we're going to fill this place. And it's not about numbers. And it's not about how many people are in the pews. But just think if we could double the size of the people here this morning of all the people that would be hearing about Jesus for the first time. Of all the people that could have the same hope that you have today. I'm going to invite Brandon to come on up and sing another song for us. I'm going to invite our elders to come down as well. And, and maybe, maybe like Paul at his conversion, you, you've not had that chance to be baptized to have that past wiped away. And I'm going to tell you right now, if Jesus Christ can remove the sins in the past of Paul, he can do it for you. But you have a chance this morning to come down and to be baptized. Or, or maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. You, you've been a Christian your whole life, but, but maybe you just haven't been saying yes to God. And maybe you've kind of wandered off that straight and narrow path. We would love for you to come down and we can talk with you and we can pray with you and we'll help you in any way that we can if you would simply come forward as we stand together and as we sing. When the Savior calls, I will answer when he calls.